Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. With me, as always, we've got Derek Swistak. Buenas noches. And Aaron <laughs> oh, Fleming. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Up is down, left is right. Dogs and cats living together. So this week, we are going to talk about structured academic controversy. We're going to start, I don't know, probably about a two or three part series on this idea of using our cooperative context and using the cooperative skills that our students have been learning to engage in a deep dive into an academic controversy. So I know this is probably one of my favorite parts of cooperative learning in teaching it in learning about it, but also implementing in the classroom. Derek, Aaron, have you guys had a lot of experience and a lot of opportunity to do structured academic controversy in the classroom? As much as I'd like, but definitely plenty uh, more than, than probably most science courses. I'm gonna concur with Derek, certainly. I would love to have more going on, but it is such a powerful experience and I can't wait to take everybody through it. So the structured academic controversy is a way that we use this idea of disagreement. We use this way of differing viewpoints uh, to build consensus, to make students uh, move beyond just simple, to move beyond simple consensus and to get to that point of problem solving. So we examine multiple sides of an issue. We force students to do different perspective taking. And ultimately uh, the entire group has to agree on the proper course of action. So I can give an example of something that I used to do in the classroom. So at the end of every biology unit, we would examine something that related to the content. So um, after our anatomy and physiology unit and our animal dissection, we would uh, investigate the ethics of using animals in scientific testing. And so we would read a number of articles about the benefits. We'd read a number of sources uh, that talked about how you can do that kind of research without using animals. Uh, and then I'd put students in groups after they had done their research and they would debate the issues. They would come back and forth and together in a group of four, they would have to come up with, with a statement of intent that said, here's how we feel about animal testing. Here's the situations, if at all, that it's necessary and that it's useful. And here's the, here's the reasons we wouldn't use it. And it was so interesting watching these high school freshmen engage with something that some of the best minds in bioethics for wrestling. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We'd spend two or three days each unit just really digging into these problems. I like I said, it was one of the, one of my favorite cooperative structures to use. What did you feel like, Adam, when when you were doing those end of the unit biology controversies? If you could boil it down to one or two or maybe three things, or you know may, maybe there's more than that that you'd want to talk about, like. What are the non-starters in order to be able to have students digging into that problem-solving level and that consensus building at a high level? What needs to be happening in a classroom? Great, great question. So first thing we always had to make sure that, so we always had to make sure that there was a cooperative environment so that uh, the students were comfortable working with each other, that those, that we were well beyond those forming skills. Uh, if we're looking at our social skills game board, our, that our students were used to working together. So that if we had if we were struggling getting to those basics, it was not the time you wanted students to really get into that that deep dive and, and things that could be somewhat personal. 
another thing we always had to make sure is really crafting what was the controversy that we were going to work on. So things that were overtly political, things that um, maybe even bordered on, on religion or um, you know, getting into those personal morals. So, so ethics being big ideas of right and wrong uh, societally were okay, but getting into things that were so, sort of morally, morally distasteful so to, to an individual uh, was a little bit harder to do. Finding those, those particular controversies to dig into was tricky. But once you had those two pieces, you had a good controversy and you had um, the students thinking in the right ways, then it was just a matter of putting that structure in place. And that's where the structured ac- academic controversy comes in. Yeah. And I think, you know, you guys said it exactly right, which is you really, this is not something that you start off with. It's not a lesson that you try to build because somebody's coming to your room. It's not, it's not something that uh, is an easy thing to, to pra- it's something that needs a lot of practice. Um, it's something that uh, you need to have built up your learning community culture. Um, you need to make sure that kids trust each other and they are worthy of trust. Um, these are these are all things to, to keep in mind um, as, as we engage in problem solving. And, um, you know, Adam and I come from a science background and it's all about problem solving. It's all about respecting individuals. It's all about saying, hey, you proved me wrong. Like that, that's where we come from. And, um, you know, kids don't always see that, uh, out in uh, the real world necessarily. So I think one of the benefits of the, the structure of controversy is that we use conflict constructively so that sometimes you think of cooperative learning, everybody's got to get along. Everyone's got to be nice to each other, but we can really show that disagreement is okay. Disagreement is valued. Disagreement is important that, um, you know, learning comes with struggle. And if you're struggling against yourself, it's difficult. But if you're struggling against a partner or against a group to wrestle with the ideas, that's where that true learning is going to happen. School doesn't necessarily, it, it has to be a safe environment where you can take chances, but your ideas aren't necessarily safe. You know, if, if we're not challenging students' ideas and we're not pushing them beyond what they thought coming into your class, there kind of isn't a point. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would say that David, you know, would pop in here if you he were here with us. Um, and he would say that not only is conflict, you know, um, it, uh, important, it's, it's vital. It, it really is in terms of moody, moving the metacognitive needle in your brain. Um, you need to be, uh, you need to be moved. You need to be, in, you need to be investigatory. You need to be thoughtful and you need to be swayed. Um, not necessarily to one side or another, but to, to a different way of thinking other than one's own uh, thought. So really at the, at the highest level of, of understanding, you know, we try to put something into practice. If you, if you followed along on the social skill game board, that's, that's about as high as you can get up there is like actually trying something out in the real world. Well, before you try something out in the real world, you definitely want to be sure that you've talked it through and um, be sure that it's going to be something that's worthwhile or something that you think is going to be worthwhile. Not just go with your first guess, not just go with your first thought. Listen, I'm going to test you guys. Do you remember what the last square on the game board is? Test reality by... Checking others' uh, understanding. Yeah, testing reality by checking work. I, I think this is the perfect representation of that, is that we are testing reality by looking at the work of others. So what logical leaps did your partner take? And does that match your worldview? It took me a really long time to figure out why that last square was there. Generating additional answers, probing by asking questions. These are all really good skills. These are high, high order thinking skills. But testing reality by checking work 
Uh, it wasn't until we started really digging into the, the controversies that I truly understood what that meant. And so I just thought that was, it's, it's fun because it almost seems like it's another 15 or 20 steps beyond all those other fermenting skills. Well, and even when you start to break down the social skills, you know, that are required for something like this from, from that complex, but all the way down to the, the, the bare bones of it. I mean, you're, you're simply getting kids to listen to each other. Right. Now, of course, you're getting them to, to think and go past that. But, you know, how many times do we see, you know, models in our society, whether or not it's, you know, conflict with, you know, famous people in the news or if it's, you know, just the, the many different polarizing issues that we have in our society right now, you know, you, you see people just digging, digging in without listening to the other side. And it just continues to widen that gap to where I think we all, we all are so frustrated. So these are these skills to teach kids to listen and to dig into what are the valid viewpoints from the other side that I really need to really test that reality and see, is that a valid point? So um, great skills all the way through that game board that we're teaching here. But, but I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I agreed. And I think those skills speak to the skills of, you know, and this is what David would say, I'll always give him credit, you know, that, that they speak to the, the tenets of uh, leadership and trust. You know, like if you, if you can demonstrate that you have these skills, you are a great leader because you care about what other people think and you want to learn from them. And by that token, you will also be someone who is worthy of trust because you do care about what other people think and what other people have and you value what they have to offer. Um, and that is, that is not an easy thing, um, you know, especially we all teach teenagers and I think people have this misguided representation of what teenagers are and, and aren't. And everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to learn. Adam will knows that I always say this, which is I never saw a six-year-old that didn't want to learn stuff. Like they ask a million questions. And then, you know, we tell them what they want to learn or what we think they want to learn. And they tend to lose some of that wonder. And they, um, we put them in rank and file and we say, this is where you are. This is where you are. Nope. You are a good learner. You are not a good learner. And they, they all are, can be great learners and they all come with things to offer. Um, and I think sometimes that gets lost in all of the standards and, and the uh, other pieces uh, that we think make up our curricula. So with that, let's give it a pause. Next week, I think we should talk a little bit about what are the elements within the structured academic controversy. Not necessarily walking through the lesson plan, but just you know, what do we have our students do to get to that point where they can ultimately uh, engage in problem, creative problem solving. So... Uh, until next week, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.